Hello and welcome to a very special episode 57 of the Two in the Orders podcast with me, David B. Lyons. And me, Robert Enright. And on today's show, David and I will be announcing the nominations for the first ever annual Two in the Authors Awards. That's right, we will be revealing the top four indie authors in the following categories. Best book cover, Best mm-hmm. book blurb, best mm-hmm. branding, and best yep. author website. So those nominations will be announced. And it's obviously before I croon into another mailbag question sent in by one of our <laughs> lovely listeners, David. And then towards the end of the show, we're heading back across the Atlantic Ocean. Huh? Got it right you gotta, this time. You got it right this time. I did indeed, um, because we will be joined once again by friend of the show, Amelia Rose, to answer our seven questions. So I'm really excited nice. for this episode, David. Um, but before we get into revealing our nominations and, and, and talking through them, how have the last seven days been for you, my friend? Oh, good. Thank you very much. Um uh, Starting book five, just playing around with the idea of book five in the series in terms of, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, drawing on some setting and stuff like that. So if I, when I come to it next Monday, when I'm supposed to start writing this novella, uh, at least there's something on the page. So I know setting and, and that's drawn and stuff like that. So I like to give myself little um, head starts so I'm not arriving on a, on a blank page. I'm also, Rob, in the thrusts of the trolls of thinking about going wide again and um, mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't if KU was worth it for me but it's now dropped I think I haven't been measuring this continuously but it's at 23% my income from KU and I oh, believe wow. that's that's probably the lowest it's ever been so I'm not getting these tens of thousands of page page reads every day like I used to don't know why not sure you know what finger should be on what <laughs> button uh, in this regard, uh, I'm putting it down to I don't advertise strongly on Amazon. I don't have a big, big Amazon presence. Uh, I think when you do, KU tends to work for you. But I don't know. I haven't really nailed that. I used to do much, much better in KU. So at mm. this stage, I'm thinking of pulling wide. I've done it before, three years ago, in tandem with you, unknowingly. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It wasn't giving me the revenue streams that KU was giving me. So, um, you know, I haven't been overly enthused about going wide again, apart from morally, I would like to. But now, since we've had, we have Amelia on later on in the show, who's one of the Rain co-founders, along with Michael. And since we spoke yeah. to them, I'm really getting intrigued about a subscription model, because I think I have a bit of a dedicated fan base. It, it, yeah. It, it's, it's a... It's a fan. I, I know there's at least a few hundred readers that buy my books every time they come out, mm. and that interact with me and that you know respond to my emails and stuff like that. There's a fan base. I'm just wondering, would they pay five or ten or even twenty pounds 
for more access to me and my writing and stuff like that. So it's something I've been playing around with um, this sort of subscription model. And in order to really make a success of that, I think I would have to have my books wired because giving yes. free ebooks will be, will be part of that strategy. So that's just something that's been going through my mind and I've been researching over the past week, uh, along with being creative on starting my next novella. And I'm, I'm deep into rewrites on the screenplay that I'm writing at the moment. So, yeah, it, it's been an all-encompassing creative seven days for me uh, in different areas of, of my business. Mm. What about you, Rob? What have you been doing? Um, I have been writing NaNoWriMo finishes today the day we're recording this which is 30th of November and I passed the 50k mark yesterday yes and I got my certificate for the second um second November year in a row which is good nice. so I'm now I'm, I'm now on like chapter 23 of the book I started this yeah, month yeah that's amazing so I've got eight chapters left to write and this is obviously like I've said many times this is where it builds into the big action climax so these bits just it just just flows out of me so i'm bang on track to getting um the, the first draft done before christmas which is the plan because it comes out end of january um so yes yeah, so i've done i've been mainly focusing on that i've had a couple of nice little milestones so uh the dead of night my new series which has been really well received i've been over now already past 100 ratings within a couple of weeks oh nice on, on amazon um and then just randomly i had an amazon daily deal on like the fourth book in the sam pope series and that hit number ah. one in categories and top 200 on on a kindle in in entirely so, i've never had yeah, a daily deal i keep getting monthly yeah, I've, I think I've got a monthly deal for a box set, which I'm not thrilled about. But that happened to me in January 2023, and I think it's happening in January 2024. But I actually didn't. Um, there wasn't any impact on my my bottom line, so I can't yeah. really be too upset about it. Um, so yeah, it's been good. I think just to circle back to your point about the paid reads and the Amazon presence, this is not rooted in any sort of fact but as a rumor and I, I reckon it's probably true that amazon puts more spotlight on books that are in ku and probably pump more money into the amazon machine i i i, I would feel like that's yeah. probably something that happens obviously that's speculation on my point so obviously if you're not you know all over amazon with amazon ads they're probably not going to give you as much um I don't know, uh, real estate exposure. as other authors say, yeah, as much yeah. exposure. But I guess the only question you have to ask, and yeah, we could go into further detail in another episode, is, you know, I, I couldn't go wide right now. As much as I think I probably mm. could with the backlist I've got, the percentage of KU to in my income is too big of a risk for me to turn that yeah. off. And it's, well, actually, if you could even make up 15%, say you lose 23%, but make up 15%. Why, yeah. to begin with, would you be able to to be okay with that, like from a a financial point of view? Because then if you are, then then it's it's a definitely a viable option, but um, an exciting one, and one I'm envious of, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I do I do want to be wide morally, but I, I, the, the fact of the matter is, I and this is very cold hard facts, I used to earn two and a half, three grand a month just from KU. 
that's now down yeah. to about 11 or, or 1200 quid a month. And um, while that's not to be sniffed at, you know, anybody would take 1200 quid a month. Um, I just have a feeling that that's the sort of figure I could make up wide. Yeah. Whereas I, I don't think I could make three or four grand wide. No, I think I, well, I, I, you never know. I think you, 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 depends on marketing and the different markets yeah. and things like that. Yeah, they're all different platforms. They all work differently. I remember when I was white, one month I got a Barnes and Noble deal. Didn't cost uh, me anything. Right. And it gave me on one book on one day, I made like 800 pounds off of one right. deal on Barnes and Noble. On a deal. I was like, this this is amazing. And then like for the rest of the two months I was on there, I made like 30 pounds. So it's like, yeah. you know. It, I know what you mean, it, yeah. it, uh, different platforms and stuff, but I, I think it's an exciting one uh, for you to think about and mull over. But um, again, just you know, these things the, the week of an author, eh, David? <laughs> That's it. David, it gives me much excited to uh to say that we are now doing our our shortlist for the two yeah. indie author awards the first ever and this will become an annual thing our first ever two indie author awards now um before we get into that i just wanted to say that the idea of these awards was a they're it's a bit of fun for us to have on the podcast this is quite a nice um way to look back over the year because obviously um, the only people who could qualify for these awards were people who joined us for our seven questions so we got to hear their journey hear their stories and and look under the hood of their their independent author business but i think it's also there's a little bit more to it in the way that we are constantly you know we want to shine a light on the really good stuff that happens in this indie author community and we want to put forward people who are doing it like really effectively and successfully and also by shining a light on these these authors who we will we will announce uh, very shortly it kind of well hopefully we'll send people who are at earlier stages in their journey or who are currently struggling with their indie author business to go and look at these authors that we've nominated and see why we're praising them and then they can learn from what they're doing and hopefully apply it to themselves so that's kind of what i wanted to get out of doing these awards i don't know if you agree or not yeah well they sort of sum up why we set up the podcast in the first place it's 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 Mm. all about being inspired by fellow independent authors not to copy them as you repeat often but be inspired by them so, yeah, we're going to go through uh, some nominations in four specific categories over the next um, 25, half an hour, um, uh-huh. Rob. And and these are authors that our listeners, as you say, they can look up to and be inspired by. So, yeah, we have chosen four specific categories, Rob, and we chose those for a, spe- for a particular reason, right? Yes, we did. We... we... Yeah, David and I put the work in, as we always do. We went back as through, we, we looked through every single person who who joined us over the course of the year. So I think in total, it's probably about 50 or so authors, David. Obviously, we didn't yeah. include ourselves in this. Um, last mm-hmm. thing we want to do is, is, is award ourselves awards. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we took <laughs> ourselves out of it. But um, one thing we would also say is if, if you hear these names and uh, maybe you haven't listened to every episode of this podcast, which you should have done, um, 
maybe go back if you if you go and have a look at them go back to those episodes and listen to their seven questions because then you can see and hear the steps that they've made to get to the point where they're at in their um in their independent author journey so shall we yeah. begin with the first category david Yes. So let's explain the four categories first, Rob, and then we'll go into the to um mm-hmm. each individual one. So there's five awards in total. Yeah. And there's four categories. And then at the end of that, we will choose the two indie authors, independent author of the year. Yeah. Um, so that's the fifth award. There's no nominees for that. We're just gonna announce who the TIA independent author of the year is. Um but in the four specific categories, there are nominations. And we chose yeah. these categories um, because we believe that these are the elements that you need to get right in order to become a professional independent author who can earn money, serious money from their books. Absolutely. So, Rob, why don't, why don't you give us the four categories and tell us why these are the most important elements for a, an indie author? So, our categories are best blurb best book cover, best branding, and best author website. So as a collective, individually, if one of them, they, these should be your pillars of your yes. author business, right? Because if mm-hmm. one of them isn't set correctly, your business will start wobbling. And then if two of them go, if two of them aren't right, your business will fall down. That's the way of looking at it. And yeah, yeah we can't stress enough. Like people say, don't judge a book by its cover. They don't, but they they will stop because of a cover. That's that's what will stop someone and yeah. draw them to your book. Your blurb will yeah. sell them the book, right? So those things yeah. happen. Branding is so important. We tell you this all the time. Branding is so important because there's so many different like um, is it kind of like mental things with marketing where if people see the same thing certain numbers of times, it registers with them. If your marketing and your branding looks professional, you always want to be indistinguishable from published authors, even though I think that's a very blurred line out. But you don't want to be seen as amateur or anything like that. So your branding needs to say this is you, that people need to see it and know it's you. And then your author website means the reason why that's important. um, And we had an episode with um, Stuart Grant, who's an author website guru. Um, Yeah. I mean, we go into detail there. This is your real estate, right? You, you, that's your part of the internet. And it needs to look as professional as you want your books and how you want to be seen as. So these things Absolutely. all together, I like to think you and I, David, do all of these four things pretty well. That's why we've been able to do this for a living. Yeah. And our nominees have also shown that they've done it, you know, probably better than us. But yeah. if they didn't have these things in place they wouldn't have been able to achieve the success that they have. That's why these things are so important. And that's why I think we should recognize when we see fantastic examples of it. Exactly. And that's what these awards are for. It's also worth interesting that, you know, we have an episode solely on the blurb. We have an episode solely on branding, solely on book covers, solely on author websites, because as Rob said, these are the four pillars that you have to get right. And of all the guests that we've had on our show over the past 12 months, we believe the nominees that we're about to announce now have killed it in each of these specific categories. Mm -hmm. Are we ready to announce the nominees for the inaugural 
to in the Orters Independent Auto Awards. Are you ready, Rob? I was born ready, David. You were born ready. Where would you like to start? Which category? Um, let's go with best blurb. Let's do best blurb. Absolutely, Rob. So here are the four nominations for best blurb 2023. For All the World by Jean Granger. It's a fascinating historical mystery tease of a blurb that informs us of a multi-point-of-view narrative that takes place in the throes of World War One. The Man with One of Those Faces by Cueve MacDonald. Dark comedy set in Dublin that promises a humorous, mysterious journey within the opening 16 words of its blurb. Stranded by Rosalind Tate. A romantic time-travelling mystery that will undoubtedly sell to potential readers within the first three short headlines at the top of the blurb. The Other Times of Caroline Tangent by Ivan D. Wainwright. The second time travel caper on our list this year, but Ivan <laughs> absolutely nailed his blurb with promises of comforting pop culture nostalgia. So there you have it, David. There's our four blurbs. Um, and I think they're absolutely worthy of a place on this list. All four of them, when I read them, I wanted to read the book. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough category for Rob and I to uh, shortlist, wasn't it? And and mm. I, I think we, 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 we came across, because we've done this over the past week, Rob and I, and we came across so many well-written blurbs, um, but then there were some that really could have made this shortlist, but then were just slightly overwritten towards the end. That's fair mm. to say that we were frustrated with three yeah. or four where we thought, oh, that looks really good, but then they sort of overwrote towards the end we had to be picky it was like um we like did bake off or and strictly when it gets near the end and they're like oh, i've got to pick up just the tiny little things that change mm -hmm. but, but yeah i i completely agree we we had to shorten it down to four it could have been 10 so um yeah and actually that's the same with our next category david so our next category is best cover so uh the nominees are Jason Apley, Jason Aspley's Second Chance by Adrian Cousins. Yeah, it's an intriguing clean cover that sets the template for strong branding across a whole series. Another nomination here for Stranded by Rosalind Tate. Yeah, there's a stunning front cover that screams all of the tropes and promises of a great mysterious YA novel. College of Shadows by Mark Wells. Yeah, it's a striking design that showcases not only the promise of great a great gothic thriller, but also the story's fascinating setting. And last but not least, we've got The Lie She Told by Catherine Yaff. I love this cover. It screams genre in spite of its serene, subtle design, and that's what a great cover should always aim to do. So there we have oh. it, Rob. Four nominees for Best Cover. Adrian Cousins, Rosalind Tate, Mark Wells and Catherine Yap. Congratulations for your, your shortlist. And again, Rob, another tough category for us to nail down to just four nominees. I think I think when I did my long list, I think I had about 20. 
Mm. So I had to remove 80% of it. And that was, again, it comes down to the fine. I think I probably had two for each type of genre and things like that. So it was it was a, such a close run one, which shows just how many amazing covers are out there now. Yeah, and, and it's great that you, I don't know whether you're taking our advice on book covers or it's the, the advice really, I guess, is the independent author community at large. But there's nothing more frustrating um, than seeing the promise of a great book through its blurb that is covered by something that a friend's friend did on a mm. Canva, right? If, if the book cover doesn't live up to the professional standard that your book does, you're really doing yourself a disservice. So congratulations to you for, we really feel you nailed mm-hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'd also say you can have the best blurb in the world. A lot of people aren't going to read it if you don't have a good cover to pull them in. So um I think, yeah, congratulations to the four authors there. David, would you like to go on to the next category? My pleasure. We will now announce the nominees for the four independent authors who we feel have given the best efforts to their branding. Okay, Mm. so four authors for two in the author, best branding nominees, and they are... Adrian Cousin. I like the uh, front cover from the previous nomination. It's bright. It's colourful. Um, he's got this brilliant silhouette theme um, across all the covers. They convey the humour that is through the books, but also sort of the psychedelic concept of of time travel. I think it just the, the colour scheme nails the idea of a, a fun time travel romp. F. D. Lee. Um, it's fractured fairy tale. Um, it's some fantastic colours throughout all of her branding. Contrasts really well with the imagery. And there's some wonderful fonts used that really hit the genre and the market that she's looking for. Stephen Taylor. So Stephen Taylor's covers, titles, colours, they all work fantastically um he's also started using some ai generated imagery into his branding and it's absolutely eye-popping and it's really worth checking out on his website and mark wells uh for an urban fantasy uh series the branding is on point the theme of cambridge gothic that overrides the whole trilogy is exceptional and all the fonts used are brilliant. And there's also the other thing regarding branding that Mark does some exceptional work on TikTok as well. Amazing. So they are our four, Mark, Stephen, FD and Adrian. Um, I mean, guys listening, check these out. Check these authors out on Amazon. This is how you nail an aesthetic that pulls readers towards you. Like Rob and I had just been talking off air actually before we recorded this um, episode when we were talking about how Rob is doing so well in KU page reads. And Rob's saying, yeah, but I have I have nine of the top 50 books in certain um, categories. Boasting. <laughs> Boasting. But that makes so much sense. And it's not the case of nine separate books. It's nine books that are linked together in branding. And as, oh. if I'm watching that category, I'm going oh, wow, Robert Enright is a shit-hot author in this sort of genre that I like. So it, 
if, if you're catching the eye with branding and you're tying it all together throughout your series of books or your series of even standalone books, you're really doing yourself a huge favor if you're getting branding right. Absolutely. And I'm really happy you used the term hot after the word shit when describing me. But also, <laughs> um, I think it's also worth pointing out here that when it comes to the branding, it's not just always um, just Instagram posts or covers or things like that. Like I said, we've got some of the nominations yeah. on this list using TikTok, some of the nominations on this list, like I started using AI, using different ways of building a brand. And I think that's worth recognizing and it's definitely worth paying attention to. So um, massive congratulations. Again, none of these um, categories were easy to whittle down. So a real um, show that the branding for our four nominees here is really, really strong. Um, which I guess only needs one more category, David, which That's is, it. of course, the best author website. Um, so for that, the nominees are Dale Hurst. Yeah, it's a nice classic website. It integrates his own, past, his own podcast into it really, really well. Harry McGillan. It's a crisp Great colors throughout, great layout, very easy to navigate, and a very clean website from Carrie. Rob Radcliffe. Rob integrates very well um, his Ladlit team throughout his website, and it's so well put together, one worth checking out. And the final nominee for best website is Sally Rigby. Sally's is quite an interactive website. It's really easy on the eye. And, and Rob and I love the use of animation in the background and the way the books slide into the page. It's a very impressive, unique website. Yeah, it's a real eye-catching one um, just to have when you move through like the books slide on to say this is the next in the series, this one. And again, you know, human beings, we are very simple creatures oh that's moving and it draws the eye that's the whole point of it so it's um, really yeah. good but again four fantastic websites there um, yeah all of them nominated for different reasons they've all I mean well all for the same reasons really they all hit their mark they all hit their theme they all hit their genre but they've all bring something different to um, to a website so like Dale's is really classic Rob's has got some brilliant fonts used that like weave into the whole kind of jaunty lad lit theme he has carries is as kind of you know she's got some really cold crisp book covers to go with her detective series and the, the website just fits it it's just they're, they're four exceptional websites that are worth checking out and they deserve to be on this list they do indeed yeah it's 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 quite interesting that the four of them nails the tone of their books within their website and it's really uh, a key part of, of branding which we, we've uh, talked about in, in a bigger scale there a second ago as we were announcing the four nominees for that particular category so there we have it Robert we have four yeah. nominations in four categories and towards the middle of December we're going to be announcing the winner of each of those categories along with the author of the year award fantastic i cannot wait just to make a point here david although bribing will not change what the result will be feel free to give it a go 
Absolutely. Well, yeah, I love cherry whiskey sours. Um, so if anyone sees a bottle of that lying around in a supermarket and think, I would like the TIA award, I can be bri- <laughs> I cannot be bribed with whiskey sours. Wink, 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 wink. Winky, wink. Um, so we're delighted. Yeah, we're looking forward to this. It's going to be an annual uh, ceremony. I say ceremony. Um, done online. But we have bigger plans afoot to meet and greet our listeners at some point in uh, early 2024. So every December, we will have, Rob and I are talking about these annual awards. And then perhaps every April, Rob, we are talking about perhaps, this is a sneak peek, perhaps a meetup of the two in the authors community. Yeah, I think that'll be, I mean, it would be an absolutely wonderful thing to do, to be able to sit around, have an alcoholic or a non-alcoholic drink, have some food, just have a talk and keep building this wonderful community that our listeners have helped us to cultivate. So um, keep your ears peeled for that. In a couple of weeks' time, David, you and I will be announcing the winners of these awards. So a massive good luck and congratulations to our nominees. And yeah, let's see what happens in a couple of weeks' time. My sales are falling almost daily and I suck at Facebook ads. Rob and David, can I ask a question? It is time for the mailbag. Yay! You got it right. Have you been talking to my wife about my favourite Christmas song? No, that's my favourite Christmas song as well. Ah, yeah. Well, I was convinced when I was about six or seven, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm I'm gay. I'm going to be gay. I did not know I'm going to be gay because I had such a crush on Shaken Stevens. I had the whole gear. <laughs> I had everything. I even had hair and all that I would curl into a bit of a quiff. All the denims, the white shoes. I'm a big shaky fan. In fact, I'm such a fan of what you did there. That could be the consistent mailbag team that's how impressed i am by that yes you hear that we talk about perseverance (laughs) on this podcast and i'd say for a good 35 weeks now i've been singing at david and i've got nothing but disgust and now (laughs) i managed to 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 get a pat on the back and and, uh, over the over the um the podcast i've had a, a verbal pat on the back so what a what an achievement for me that's my yeah, who knew you just award you just needed to bring out shaky every time that's all yeah. who knew um but of course this <laughs> is the mailbag david we do have a question and this one has been sent in by brianna jensen um and brianna says my ads are running okay over the summer I would make 20, 30 sales of my first book every day by spending about 40 to 50 dollars but the past two months, the sales have dipped to about 10 to 15 per day, even though the ads are performing as well as they did in the summer. Am I doing anything wrong? Um, I wouldn't say you're doing anything wrong, Brianna, apart from uh, this uh, little bit of advice for you. It's, it's easy, and I'm guilty of this. I've done this before. It's very easy if your Facebook ads are working and you're saying your, your ads are doing very well, fairly well in the summer. It's easy to sit on that and sit on those hands and think, oh, I don't have to do anything. My Facebook ads are ticking along. Um, I've had that experience before where my books are selling well, January to September, and then suddenly September, October, they tend to dip or even 
But what happens is they tend to go up in price. So where, when I was normally paying 20p for an ad, say, it's probably gone up to 25, 27. And you think, well, that doesn't make a YouTube. It does in that less people are seeing the ad then per day or clicking on it per day. So you're, you're likely to get less sales. I think the reason for that, uh, Brianna, is in September, October, November are are big months for for the biggest retailers and not just in 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 literature but everybody's advertising um ahead of the christmas market so it does it, it, it if you're relying on facebook ads they will take a dip but are likely to sort of take a dip uh, in and around that time because the advertising space is so competitive so you'll be just be paying that little bit more you'll find per click and that will reduce slightly uh, the amount of sales. You're saying you've gone from sort of 20 or 30 sales a day to 10 to 15. So you're, you're losing about 50%. That's a big knockoff. Well, I, the only thing I would recommend, Brianna, is towards September, diversify. So don't just rely on your Facebook ads. Get more um, exposure on Facebook by paying for or Amazon by paying for some Amazon ads. Reach out to your newsletter a bit more often. Use your social media following. So don't just rely on those Facebook ads all year round and do take note that in September, October, they do or they have historically for me anyway, taken a bit of a dip. Uh, what about you, Rob? It's, it's always worth remembering that every ad has a shelf life. It doesn't matter um, if it's a year, if it's a month, if it's a week, like it's worth, you have to test these things. Like I've got an ad that's been running for over a year. That's doing really well. I've had ads since then. I've had to kill and set up new ones and redistribute the budget around. So like yeah. David said, you can't really sit and rest on your laurels when it comes to your ads, but ultimately, um, you, you know, sometimes you, just, you can't diagnose why an ad runs its course. It just does. And that's where you need to learn how to pivot. And like David said, kind of diversify how you're reaching your readers and then your sales will hopefully uh, start on the upward trajectory again. Okay, Rob, it's time for our favourite part of the show. It is the seven questions, and we are welcoming back a friend of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, She joined us two weeks ago. It's the co-founder of Ream. It's Amelia Rose, who is also a best-selling author of Steamy Romance in our own right. Amelia, thanks so much for coming back and joining us here on on the two in the authors. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. It's definitely our pleasure. So so we had you on a couple of weeks ago with, with Michael talking about Ream and this yeah. amazing subscription model, um, which I'm now undergoing the boot camp for. Um, we, we knew, of course, before we booked you on to discuss Ream that you were a, a, a best-selling author in your own right of amazing um, oh, steamy romance novels. Your, your whole branding is so on point. You have a, a huge uh, fan base, Amelia. Can you tell um, our listeners a little bit about your books and uh, your publishing uh, struggles, not even struggles with you, is it? Um, it hasn't been struggles for you, really. <laughs> but you're, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're publishing to date. Yeah. So I write spicy romance. I started writing a lot of werewolf romance. Um, that's where it all kind of started um, mm-hmm. on Wattpad. So free serial website. I was publishing for free for a long time um, and one of my stories got really popular and it kind of just kind of grew from there um, I started doing subscriptions and once I got a really good handle on that I started publishing on retailers as well um, but my fans asked 
actually asked me to start writing in other romance genres too. So I started with paranormal, but branched out into contemporary, mafia, dark, light, what it, literally all tropes, all um, subgenres of romance pretty of romance. much. I dabbled in, yeah. It's uh, amazing. And so how many books have you published by now? Oh, I think it's like 30. Wow. <laughs> wow. Even you don't wow. know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't keep track anymore. Sometimes like I'll have a release on Amazon and my assistant will be like, you know, you have a release today. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't even know. That's, <laughs> that, that starts to happen after a while. Yes, it does. Um, so when did you start this journey, Emilia? Um, I started publishing like officially in 2019. Um, ah, so it's quite but, recent. Yeah, I think I started writing, like I've been writing all of my life, but I started writing the paranormal romance, I want to say in 2018-ish. So. Wow. So you've been doing mm. it for five years, nearly six years now. There you go. To yeah, show, just goes to show, you know, you started off from taking requests on steamy romance tropes for people and now you're co-founder of a subscription service that's you know getting authors to jump in and and you know start building their own fan base it just goes to show what can be done over you yeah. Know, yeah. five years or something like that i think it's, it's absolutely. absolutely brilliant um yeah obviously we had you on a couple of weeks ago we got a really good look at what ream was and a really good chat with yourself and michael about what that is now we're going to get a little bit under the hood of the your publishing journey to date and some of the decisions that you've made um so i will kick things off with question one if you don't mind and i guess it's kind of a i already sort of know the answer because you also do read but uh, question one is are you a full-time author yes i am i've been writing or publishing full-time for i think three or four years now so barely (laughs) yeah Uh, can i can i ask you a question because obviously you're I think um, apart from maybe Joanna Penn, you're probably the most subscription-based author we've had on these seven questions. Do you offer your books that are on Amazon and on your subscription service? Yes. Yeah. So basically how I fund, like how I run my business is I write my rough drafts on the subscription first. So as I'm writing, I'm also publishing to people who are subscribed to me. Um, So they get the first draft and then I will publish it on Amazon. A lot of them, a lot of my readers will purchase it on Amazon again. Mm-hmm. even though they've already read uh, and then i will also typically give my subscribers i, I i'll c- continue to let them have access to that book through the subscription um so, i love yeah. it i love i love what you're doing there it, it's really opened my my eyes over the past fortnight Amelia. i have to say this idea of your sort of super fans in a get in, in a way to 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 kind of phrase um they to, to bring them on the journey with you and have them subscribe to you, it's, it just makes so much sense now that, um, and it's sense I didn't possess a month ago. I just, it wasn't, <laughs> I mean, I'd heard of subscriptions and I heard and I'd, I'd been told, you know, don't rely on Amazon and, and, and this type of thing. But I, I really hadn't looked under the hood until I spoke to you and Michael a couple of weeks ago. So I'm in on Ream now. Um, obsessing and, and poking around all these different orders, seeing what they're offering and how they're doing it. Um, so I'm, tr- I'm trying to come up with my tears at the moment. I'm in that exciting phase. Um, yeah. 
So a question two then gets under the hood a bit more, Amelia, of your own publishing journey. Um, did you decide to, you know, I know your business model is much bigger than uh, eBooks now, of course, at this stage, but have, have you decided to be wide or exclusive with Amazon for Kindle Unlimited? I'm completely wide and I, I'm wide for a few different reasons. One of them is I want to be accessible to everyone. Yeah. Um, so not even just people in countries where KU isn't available. I come from like a lower income background. And so it's really important for me to be in libraries. Um, so people who don't have money at all for Amazon um, can still read the books. Love so him. that's one thing. And also I do not like exclusivity at all. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very limiting and I want to be able to control my business and sell wherever I want to sell, wherever it's going to make me the most money. Yeah, I think that's, I'm all. I think that's it's, yeah. it's such a great yeah. answer. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one that we go back and forth in our heads. And, you know, once you get hooked on that KU, you know, paid read money, it's hard to, um, to, to turn that tap off, especially when it's constantly flowing. But I love your your thought process behind being in libraries. I think it's such an important thing. I have a I have a, a little girl who's obsessed with reading at the moment, and uh, she's four in February. I probably won't put her onto your books, if I'm honest, Amelia. Yeah. Um, we're very much you know, pressing on to like you know Disney books and sort of roll call. But um, I've I've branched the idea of her going to the library and being able to get new books and stuff so she likes it. yeah i think it's it's a really good thing and then also i guess you can't really be exclusive if you're giving away books on the subscription model because that would yeah. violate the terms of service which is i guess a yeah. consideration people need to make if they're going down yeah. that subscription route um Absolutely. i do have a i do have a question for you um it's, it's a sub question it's not one of the seven um when it comes to that part of it giving the books away on your subscription service um does that have a Im- an impact on rankings within the platforms that you're on? If a large number of, say, you've got a large following who get the book through your subscription service, are then probably not going to buy it on Amazon or Kobo or something. Have you have you ever done any analysis on that side of things? So I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I'm just it's an interest to have. <laughs> Um, so I'm not a data person. I I, I know you are. <laughs> um, yeah. I I run a lot of my business off of intuition, right. uh, which is kind of weird. But um, yeah. so I personally, the way I've run the business so far is I don't really care about Amazon and my rankings on Amazon mm-hmm. uh, because so much of my business is based off of Amazon is or it? like outside of it. Outside yeah. of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times people will ask me like, hey, how does like this affect Amazon? And it doesn't affect Amazon or my business on Amazon because mm-hmm. I'll still sell books there. Um, they might not reach number one, but I'm not trying to hit number one in the store or or whatever. Um, but I would say that having the subscription and letting people read, read as I'm writing it, like as a rough draft, um, it really helped kick off my career when I started publishing yeah. on Amazon um, because I had all these people who had already read the book. They were super excited to help me launch because I was like this new author. And so they went out and they purchased the book too, even nice. though they've already read it. They, they purchased the book and they wrote a bunch of reviews. So I had like, oh, I don't wow. know, 
can't remember um, how many reviews it was on the the few weeks after release, but it helped me kick off that career. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. I, 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 I again, I'm just so fascinated by the whole model, and I always have these little things. I spoke to them uh, to David about them as well. Little things I have, where I, I think like oh, I could do this, but it might impact that. And I think it's always good just to ask people in the know. Um, because although you guys are yeah. I, as much data as I can get, I, I will form decisions um, because um, yeah. unlike you two, I'm a nerd. Um, but we will go <laughs> on to the actual uh, question three now, Amelia. Um, and you can't say Ream for this one. <laughs> Name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Can I say Google Docs? She was going to say Ream. Yeah, I know. <laughs> of course you can. I <laughs> no, let's let's actually talk about uh, Ream in the context of your business now, maybe yeah. because um, let's not get into uh, definitive figures here. But in terms of ratio, um, book sales to um, subscription model, are you in and around the fifty-fifty mark? Uh, I would say subscriptions are anywhere between thirty to fifty percent. Oh, okay. interesting! Uh, right. So, so Ream, just for those who perhaps didn't catch the episode a couple of weeks ago, Ream is a subscription model for authors, and we've just been talking about ways that you can get, um, you can charge a monthly fee in different tiers: five pound, ten pound, maybe twenty pounds, and beyond, uh, for your readers to go on a journey with you. And it doesn't doesn't have, doesn't that doesn't have to be the model. You don't have to take them on a journey. You can be giving them, you know, signed books, or, or you, you'll be giving them something for this service, uh, for this subscription. So you use this, and you have probably the most amount of followers on Ream, Amelia. Am I right in saying that? I actually don't. You no, don't. So oh, you don't. CJ Primer. She's a romance author. She does paranormal romance too, but she has the most paid members. Oh, I haven't stalked her. That's one I need to put on the list. Now. Hold on a second. <laughs> I write that one down. Okay, so tell, please tell our listeners how this sort of um, brings in about 40% of your income and yes. why Rain is so important. Yeah, so um, basically, my entire business is around having people read early access as I write the book. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people, I funnel people over from serial fiction platforms like Wattpad um, and my newsletter too. I'll like drop chapters every week and say, hey, if you want to read early, come over. Um, and so I was able to build th- that business, um, that subscription business through people who are re- were reading for free, essentially. Um, and so that is how it kind of... It started originally uh, as 100% of my business, but as I've like spread out, um, it's it's gone down. But um, I currently have multiple subscriptions in different areas. So I have a comic subscription going right now, um, and that brings in relative like monthly month after month. It's about a hundred. I would say like 90 to 100 percent of income for comics is subscription based. Um, for me, wow. anyway. Yeah. Um, Amazing. But, yeah, we have different facets of the subscription. So one is early access, and those are the lower tiers. And then I have quarterly signed book boxes, and those are some of the higher tiers. And Great. then uh, a tier where people can just support me, just to support me. Nice. I love it. I have to say, we've now interviewed about 52, 53 guests for this particular segment of the show, Amelia. Mm-hmm. And I think your your model is the most unique 
in terms yeah. of all the independent authors we've uh, we've addressed um, yourself and and Joanna of course is up there and she wrapped their knuckles about not being wide enough and and opening our you know our avenues opening more avenues for ourselves and you've opened so many so we definitely tip our hat to you Amelia um, very well done in those five years it's an incredible journey and, and a, a real success story for our listeners to uh, to stalk um, so I'm going to move on to question four then and Reem is a great answer to that um question in the one services and in the order you can't do without because it really does hold up your whole business model and it's fantastic and um, what you're doing there question four asks yeah. a little more directly about your publishing journey and that's how you market your books amelia yeah that's a good one <laughs> um so i'm gonna start off by saying i i use paid ads it, it, to some extent but i hate them i yeah. would rather use paid ads at all um, how i market a lot of my books is really around building a community around the books and building a fandom um, okay. and once i had that really strong fandom i was able to I, I still give them content every week but i'm able to kind of utilize and say like hey um i had this release that i just pushed out on amazon can you guys you you guys have read the reviews i mean do you guys have read the book can you go leave a review um and so i could ask them to do certain things and a lot of them will be super excited to do them and so it's not really me marketing the book to them anymore it's kind of them helping me um market the book and get it out there to other people love it i think it's 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 great i mean trust me i i exist off paid ads i wish i didn't have to pay for ads because i don't like paying for things but i think the fact that your whole model kind of it's almost like self-sustaining so like you build that fandom and that fandom then helps you promote the books which then builds the fandom which then helps you promote the book and it goes on and on um i think it's fantastic so um I mean, question five will be interesting because I feel like, like you said, you came into being a, an independent author a very different way to a lot of people who just write a book and put it out there. So, um, interestingly, question five is, what's the one thing you know now that you wish you'd known from the outset? Um, if so... Probably being very pick. I would pick and choose a lot more what I, what kind of advice I listen to and what kind mm. I don't because um, because I had such a unique way of starting. A lot of the advice in Facebook groups or just in, when you go to conferences, it doesn't apply to me. But when I was starting, I was like, oh my gosh, this all applies to me. I need to like uh-huh. implement every everything. And so when I I would say like one to two years into being full-time, I was trying to do all these things and I lost a little bit of my momentum doing what I was doing because I I need to do everything. And right now I do a lot of stuff, but it's stuff that now I actually want to do um, instead of strategies or tactics that people told me I have to do in order to be successful. Yeah. I hope that answered I, the question. It yeah. absolutely answers the question because it's something we've spoke about um, a lot about, you know, just because someone's like killing it on TikTok or something like that doesn't mean like you should veer from 
the, the path or plan that you have and get distracted by that. Well, David, what's the quote? Uh, my wife, the wonderful quote from my wife that kind of changed everything for me yeah. and got me right on the track, which was um, you can put your mind to anything, but you can't put your mind to everything. Um, oh, yeah. she told yeah. that to me because I was like writing and I wanted to become a full-time author but then I was also trying to do something else and then do something else because I wanted to work for myself yeah. and I didn't want to and you know I only had so many hours in a day with a young kid and full-time job and stuff so then she just said just slow down like you you could set up a business and do that and she had full faith I could do it but you can't do it half arse like you can't you know you have to do everything 100% so I get what you're saying there is yeah you you wish you narrowed it down and didn't try to do everything because if you'd narrowed on the things that have worked earlier, it would have uh, been more yeah. beneficial, right? Yes. Yeah, it's something we often talk about here is you really can get distracted by other authors. Now, there, there will be authors listening to you and inspired by you on this um, interview, for example, Amelia, and they'll go, oh, Amelia's killing it on Ream. I'm going to go to Ream. And you think, well, you mightn't actually be at that point in your career yet. Let, let's assess where are you? What do you need to do next? It's not a case of what's the shiny thing that's happening for another author. Let's go chase that shiny yeah. thing. You really have to, it's it's a unique business in your terms, listener, and it's up to you to sort of shape it how's best for you. And um, as I look at, at these sort of different businesses that we have going on and the, and the different models that I mean, we've had Queen of McDonald on, Joanna Penn, Rob has a different um, way of approaching it to I have. Um, but Amelia, I'm, I'm really admirable of, of what you've done and, and how you've gone about it. It's, it's, it's really opened my eyes, I have to say. Um, I'm going to move on to question six, though, to, to ask you. So that's asked you sort of one thing you wish you knew from the outset, but I'm wondering in the six years you've been publishing, question six asks, what's the biggest frustration for you as an independent author? For me, um, because I write steamy romance, it's definitely been a censorship. Um, Of course, yeah. It's been really bad. Like, I... It's everywhere too for me. Um, And for other spicy romance authors, it's like... Every platform I try, they censor me in some way. Like yeah. for my coffee, for example, I had this one panel and it wasn't like spicy at all. It was like super safe for work. And they were like, no, this is not acceptable. Oh. And they were chapter and I was like okay so like where can I write my stories? Where can I share my stories? So um, that has definitely been one of the biggest struggles and frustrations that I've come across. And one of the reasons why Reem has started because there's been so much censorship everywhere else. There's nowhere for spicy romance authors to share their stories. So Um, I'll say now two points. (laughs) One, I think that's the first time someone says their biggest frustration is the fact that they write stuff or create stuff so steamy that it gets censored. (laughs) That was bad (laughs) on the show. And number two, you're being censored. That's pretty badass. I think that's quite a cool too steamy for too steamy for you. Do you know what I mean? I mean, what a call. Come and join me on Ream where where you can get steamy. I like that. I like that. Um, But like I said, it's a very unique... um, frustration it makes me laugh that like you can write stuff that like because it's romance i mean romance ultimately i mean unless it's like you know nasty if it's like passionate steamy romance that's quite 
you know, ultimately that's a good thing. I write horrible, violent fight scenes and action scenes. Not, yeah, you don't get censored. In my latest book, sorry to be graphic here, I think he pulls somebody's throat out with a claw hammer. Like, that'll work down swimmingly with my readers and I won't get censored, but you write a bit of steamy romance and you're not allowed on certain platforms. I, I know. Um, it's quite strange yeah. what people find too much and what isn't. Um, that's enough of this old man yelling at a cloud. Um, let's go <laughs> to the final question, Amelia. This has been, I, I would say nice, it's been one of the most fascinating seven questions we've had, purely because mm-hmm. your whole model is so unique. And I also think it's really brave. And I think it's really, um, it's very modern. It's, it's way further ahead than where most independent authors are. Yeah, it's really independent. Yeah. Yeah. But I think just in the way the whole world's going, music, film, TV, everything subscription. And I think you, you're ahead of the game on that one. Um, so uh, thank you for sharing all that with, with us. But question seven um, is what's the one piece of advice you would leave for our listeners? Um, I think that I have like two parts to this. One of them is always to pivot. So if something's not working for you, don't be afraid to like pivot to somewhere else. Um, Great find, advice. And then find something that works for you and stick. Um, if you don't want to do TikTok, you don't have to do TikTok. If you don't want to do um, social media at all, you don't have to. Uh, I think it's really important to be happy with what you're doing because even though you're you you could be a full-time independent author if you're doing stuff that you don't want to do then what like what the point is to to be full-time for yourself but if you're not happy doing it then yeah it's going to suck yeah (laughs) that's great advice it really is such good advice the two pieces of advice pivoting when something's not working for you because there are so many avenues that we can travel down and 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 rob and i admittedly are we rely heavily on paid ads. So to, to hear that the, the you know there's other avenues that you've even proven yeah. uh, that work is is such an eye opener for us. Amelia Rose, thank you so much for giving us another half an hour um, of your time. It was fascinating to get those seven answers from you. Try um, if you're interested in steamy romance. Try submitting to the Alpha. That's book number one of the submission. Trilogy by Amelia yeah. Rawls. A great, a great blurb on that one, Amelia. I mean, you're not out of the park. You can read it on here. I'll censor it. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you for having me. This was really fun. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Amelia. Two Well, that brings to an end another seven questions, Rob, and another episode. But how amazing is Amelia? A totally different independent author model to the one you and I want. She was so inspiring and almost frustratingly so. (laughs) (laughs) Because... I, I love I love the freedom of her model. Um, I love the connection she has with her readers, and I just find it really fascinating. I think I think like I said to her, um, I think it's way ahead of the curve of where a lot of independent authors are. I think she's it's very rarely that you speak to like a trailblazer, but I think yeah. that's exactly what her and Michael are doing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, brilliant. Um, Brilliant conversation with Amelia. Wonderful to have her back on the show. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
She'll, she'll obviously be in contention for to win the author awards next year, David. Yeah, um, you never if know. Our listeners, if our listeners would like to join us on the show, there's a sign up sheet on our website, www.twoindieauthors.co.uk. You can also find it on our Instagram page and in our ever growing Facebook group. David, before I let you go, what have you got on for the next few days, my friend, till I speak to you again? Well, we're, we're three more full weeks. I'm working up to the 22nd of December. It's when Lola's in school as well. So I've got three full mm-hmm. weeks uh, now until I take two weeks off for Christmas. And I am hoping within those three weeks, I will know in the next week, by the time I'm next time to you, to at least get a, a good sort of four or five chapters of the next novella written, like a, 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 a footprint inside that. Because really... I want uh-huh. to get dug into that in January and February is what's in my calendar for to write that novella. So if I can set um, some words down um, before Christmas, it will make coming into the new year a very easy process for me. So that's one thing I have to do. I'm going to hopefully get as many words as I can done um, over the next week. I also have a screenplay that I'm writing. This is separate from the Alex thing. This is uh, another one that during my process of, of talking to the big producers in London, they asked me, could you write a good um, cop series, like a detective series? I went, yep, I can write one of them for you. So I'm writing that. That's to be with them before Christmas. And what else am I doing? I'm, I'm looking deep into, I've already alluded to this, deep into the idea of um, Ream and the subscription mm. model. Uh, I, I'm also in the throes of, of changing my website so I'm, I'm looking at different revenue streams because this year hasn't been the, the most lucrative for me. I think this is the first year in four years I'm going to dip under a hundred thousand pounds and turnover, but it makes sense. We're going to do, Rob and I are going to have a wrap up of the whole year and I'll talk you through my year, why it hasn't been as lucrative uh, for me as, as previous years. I did take my eye off the ball this year. And um, so I'll talk uh, our, our listeners through that, but, but that's my, my next week is a lot of creativity. Um, I want to get mm. these, I want to have a look at Ream. I want to get a footprint on my next novella and I have to get uh, the first 10 pages of a, of, a, of a film script down or TV script down. What about you, Rob? What are you doing over the next seven days, buddy? Hannah Rymo's finished, but I've nearly finished my next book. I've got eight chapters to write. I've got kind of a clear week, so I think I'm just going to get that done, get the first draft of this book done, and then go off to Emma. And then I can start the process again. I already, I mean, and then go into the new year with a book in the bank ready to launch in January. And then I get to do another uh, Jack Townsend book, which I'm very excited to do. So I'm probably just going to get my head down, get a lot of writing done. Um, and yeah, just push myself forward a bit further. So yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. And I will speak to you next week, David. Dum 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 d